Hello everyone and welcome to the Motor City Hoops podcast, an entertaining fresh take on the three-time NBA champs, the Detroit Pistons. Hey Hoopheads, we appreciate you listening to this episode of Motor City Hoops. Be sure to check out these other NBA pods on the Hoopheads podcast network, including Knuck a Few Buck, 305 Culture, Spanning the Spurs, Hashtag Lakers, Motor City Hoops, X's and O's NBA Breakdown, LA Hoops, The Wizards Hoops Analyst, At the Buzzer, and Lakers Fast Break. Plus, our coaching-focused podcasts, Thrive with Trevor Huffman, Beyond the Ball, the CoachMaze.com podcast, Players Court, Bleachers and Boards, The Green Light, and Courtside Culture. Oh, and don't forget to check out our flagship, the Hoopheads podcast, hosted by me, Mike Clinson, and my co-host, Jason Sunkel, featuring the best minds in the game, from grassroots to the NBA. Hey, Hoopheads, we all hate ankle sprains, and they happen way too often. Ankle injuries are the number one sports-related injury. Arise is trying to change that. With the iFast, your athletes get preventative protection and full mobility. Athletes no longer need to wear bulky braces that limit performance and give mediocre protection. Anyone playing sports should be using these products. Keep your athletes in the game. Don't wait for them to get hurt to take action. Visit www.arise.com slash team pricing to learn more. That's A-R-Y-S-E dot com. Welcome to Motor City Hoop Show. On today's episode, we'll give you a quick breakdown of last week's games where the Pistons went 2-2, two and two, and then we'll tap into Hayes' return, coach Casey's rotation, and talk about the logjam on the roster at certain positions. Then around the NBA, we'll start off talking J.J. Redick and the Pelicans and how we won from that trade. We'll discuss empty stats and why there's this concept of them being watered down, discuss the Warriors taking a beat down up north, and the impact of Hayward's injury in the East and for Charlotte. But first, quick Game recasting last week, Raptors, first game of the week for us last week, 118-104 win, six players in double digits, four of those came off the bench, we out-rebounded the, uh, the Raptors, shot 50% from three, 26 assists to 19 turnovers, which has been a little rarity for us, you know, those games with high, high assists and, okay, turnovers, that's quite a bit. But Bryce, what, what, what's your take on that? Uh, quick take on that Raptors game? Yeah, I mean, I thought it was. It, my biggest takeaway was it a it was a wire to wire dominance, Vlad. Like it was a game where we finally, you know, put the whole game together. You know, we've talked about this before. We're up at halftime, and then we we can't sustain it into the second half. And then just to can you, I don't think this is going to be a great take for some Pistons fans, but I think Corey Joseph is way better than advertised, and part of that's because when the trade happened. There wasn't a whole lot of positive talk, I guess, coming for him from Sacramento. But I think he's a really good player, and he, he still serves a purpose on this team. So the wire-wire dominance in that game and Corey Joseph being way better than advertised so far. Absolutely. I think Corey Joseph was really good in Toronto for Coach Casey. And what I'm noticing right now is a lot of guys that come back and play for Casey play well uh, because of the system that he runs. Uh, we've talked about this, less ISOs. Um, you know, he's a little bit, um, I would say even outdated in many ways because of, of the system that he runs in the NBA where it's not just ISOs. Those are rarity and, okay, he might go to Plumlee, which you hate every now and then. <laughs> but, um, 
you know, he, he kind of tries to get everybody involved. And this was that, that type of game, you know, six players in double digits. And guys like that, like Corey, are going to thrive, you know. Uh, but then next game we go into the Blazers, second game of the week, a 124-101 loss. You know, gave up over 30 points in three quarters. So clearly did not dominate this one. Uh, you know, then we couldn't guard a three-point line in the second half. Um, and Casey said something very interesting. And I know we're going to get this in the 3-1-3. He said Jeremy got 30, but that was a tough 30. And he said we need more guys to step up and help him out. Bryce, what was your take on this game? And I would love if you can comment on this quote too from Casey. Yeah, I mean, we've talked about this, and, and we'll talk about Jeremy Grant and his, uh, you know, I, I don't want to say I've been hard on Jeremy Grant, but I've kind of started to take notice that, you know, with his struggles, his inconsistencies, and we've given Jeremy Grant plenty of love on this show. So I think it's fair that when he struggles, we, we and I did a whole breakdown using basketball reference that we'll get into later, but I think part of it is needing that consistent second score, which goes into my big takeaway, Vlad, that Hamad Diallo is really exciting. Okay, and I don't want to get overboard here. You know, I, I don't want to go crazy. To me, my instant thought was he's a better and younger version of Josh Jackson. And again, we this isn't a, a hot take that Josh Jackson isn't good or anything like that. I'm not saying that, but Hamadiallo has looked really, really good. He looked great in this game. And one thing I thought came away from this game, he's an underrated passer. Nobody talked about his passing ability when that trade happened. And I think he shares the ball really, really well. Absolutely. He's just 6'5", and uh, again, we'll get into this. He played the four at some point, um, you know, not this game, next few games, but he just, to me, he does a lot of things well for us, and he brought us some life. He plays yes. with a lot of energy. energy. He, he, yes, and it's something that we noticed about Josh Jackson at the beginning of the year. I don't know if kind of just happens that, you know, Later on the season, he's not as hungry as Hamid Diallo is. Maybe, you know, like right now, Diallo wants to prove everything. So I, I understand all this uh, psychological factors. Josh Jackson had two injuries. Uh, he's played well overall. You know, he's had a, a great game later on the week. Uh, and then we we see that happening. But we will talk about his logjam because I do feel like Diallo, Josh... Uh, we have a bunch of log jams in this roster that really need to be cleared up this upcoming summer because as much as we are close to the playoffs, in my opinion, next year, if we draft right and we pick up some one or two solid free agents, this team at the same time is not really in a good spot right now because of the log jam, because of the injuries, and we kept signing guys. And right now I just feel like it's, it's too many guys in the roster, and we'll get to that in a it's minute. It's tough. It's tough. Yeah, Absolutely. Uh, the ne- third game of the week, uh, we beat the Wizards 120-91. That was a good win, in my opinion, because Dominant. we wanted to bounce back from D.C. You know, they, they destroyed us in D.C. And then, you know, the Wizards come out and they shot 20, 20% in the first half on threes, which is great because that shows defensive, you know, just the defensive mind and intensity, which was different in this game. But Casey did say something about when asked about why Josh Jackson played well. And all this stuff, he said, well, we're a young team and we don't have a set rotation. And this translates to the next game of the week. But first, I want to see what are your thoughts on the Wizards game, Bryce? Because I really like the mindset that we came into, you know, to kind of just pay back. Yeah, I mean, if you remember, uh, you know, at the end of last week's episode, Vlad, we, we, we talk about the four games that were, you know, that are coming up. 
And this was the game I brought up, right? I said, I want to see how we bounce back against the Wizards after how they beat us the, you know, the, the I think it just had that game two days before we recorded, maybe one day before. So it was great to see us bounce back. And then, yeah, obviously Josh Jackson was great in this game. So I just talked about how Hamid Diallo came in, was looking good. I think a lot of Pistons fans thought that maybe that lit a little bit of that fire under Josh Jackson that you were just talking about, Vlad, that maybe he had lost a little bit of that, you know, um, throughout the season with the injuries and the ups and downs and, and whatever. And he was incredible this game. Yeah, absolutely. And he, we need that from Josh. And, you know, he, he's played great for us the whole year. Let's not just, you know, a game here and there. It's, it's normal. Let's not forget when, when we signed him, it was like more like a why, you know, like what's going on. And now it's like, okay, we're counting on JJ. Like, we're counting on his points and his energy and his effort off the bench and all this stuff. So, and he uh, defends and def- rebounds, Vlad. He defends and rebounds as well. Which we're gonna get to really in that logjam, Bryce, because that logjam segment is gonna be crucial. I feel like it for the future of this team because a lot of guys are very, very similar in this roster. And just to cover up real quick, the fourth game of the week, it was a. Uh, <laughs> Try to find the words for it. Uh, Just say what it was. It was awful. It was disaster. There you uh, go. <laughs> a one twenty-five eighty-one lost the Knicks. The largest margin of victory for the New York Knicks since nineteen ninety-six. Well, I guess we're in the history books now. And Casey again. He said, you know, there was no energy and effort. And in my opinion, when there's no energy and effort against the Tom Thibodeau team. You're in for a rough night. That's he preaches that. It, it's what he wants. It's energy, effort, defense. So if you don't bring it against those Knicks and any of his teams in the past, there's a good chance you can get blown out. And we did. V- Vlad, th- what you said last week again to bring up last week's episode is exactly what this game was. What did you say last week? Whenever we play teams that are in that six, seven, eight, nine, ten spot in the standings, what did you say was going to happen? We're probably going to get beat because those those teams are fighting for something, right? So you know where the New York Knicks are this morning, right now, or this afternoon? They're 25 and 25, number seven in the East. They're playing for a lot right now. You know, they're they're one game out of fourth place in the East. So that's a team that's hungry, that's going out every night. Julius Randle's balling. Um, my one takeaway, okay, Sekou Dumboya is deep in the doghouse right now. Or there's some sort of injury, something that's that we don't know about or whatever. But he's like the only dude that hasn't played the last couple of games. Yeah, I, I was just and worth mentioning. Twelve guys played in the first half, and um, I don't want to go too deep into this, but it's almost like the perfect way of thanking. You give everybody a chance. No, it's hard for guys to get in a rhythm. So I, I can take this this side of things, but I can also look into Coach Casey and be like. Okay, well, you know, guys were not playing well, so I was trying everybody out, see who can give me some effort and energy tonight. So I think it's, it's, it's a two-way street, but also we, we don't want to win to me again. Like, we're 2-1 and one last week, and they're the one, you know. So I, I do understand that <laughs> side of things, too, where, you know, we want to make sure we're in that top three because the more we slide or if we slide at a top three, I don't feel like we're going to get uh, – our money's worth, you know. You know what I'm saying. So, you, you, Vlad, you just you just hate to see losses that bad. But you know what? New York's yeah. been a bad matchup every time we've played them. Like New York's incredible defensively. They're hard nosed. That's the way Tibbs coaches. 
And we don't have a great matchup for Julius Randle, in my opinion. Not yet, anyway. And so, you know, they are a tough matchup. But it it was hard to see us just get completely blown out that bad. Yeah, it was... uh... Yeah, it was ugly. Like I said earlier, it was just a disaster. But uh, Casey was upset with starters, Bryce. He said, you know, the no energy and no effort. He said that should never happen with my starters. He's like, we cannot rebuild without energy and effort. And I really like that about him, you know, because it's, it's crucial for us. And we've talked so many times this year. It was they were not consistent, but their effort and energy was there. And that's what kept us in a lot of games, even though some of them were just kind of came back late or, you know, we kind of lost late, whatever it is, but we were there. So, like, games like this, like you said, you know, just uh, you don't want to go down like this. It's ugly. You know, it's ugly. Real, and we'll, Real quick. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Bryce. Go ahead. Go ahead. As I just say, just real quick before we go to the 3-1-3, the, the starters only played three three minutes to start the game, and then he took him out. And that's... I mean that I think that right there shows how upset he was with them cuz usually he doesn't start going into the second unit until about 6 7 minutes. So the fact all those starters were out 3 minutes into the game tells you how disappointed he was in them. Absolutely. But the good thing about his game it is Hayes return. Yes. <laughs> how excited are you Bryce about this this return because to me it was um I was I was scared honestly I was scared that he might not come back this year I know the, the reports were about him coming back and the injury and you know Isaiah Thomas had a similar injury so it was a little bit scary but to me I thought it was okay the way he came back and he looked alright last night yeah I, you're right I I think we've forgotten how nervous we are all were whenever this injury first happened right because of the Isaiah Thomas comparisons and what the injury was and. I remember I went on the record, whatever, on this show and said, hey, let's have the surgery. Let's set him out for the year, bring him back next year. So to see him out, first and foremost, he looked healthy, Vlad. You know what I mean? Like he looked 100%. It sounds, it looks like we took the time needed for him to heal up. He looked like he needed to be out there playing. I thought he looked really good. You can see the potential. And maybe we, maybe this was good in a way. Because it allowed everybody to temper their expectations with him. You know, when he first came in, there was all these comparisons and everything. And then we saw seven games that wasn't overly impressive. Because Twiston's, Pistons Twitter loved him last night. And I was like, hold on, he didn't score a bucket. So why is everybody so excited? I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm just saying it was good to see that, like, hey, we saw him grab three or four rebounds. We saw him throw some nice dimes. We saw him get guys open shots that they just didn't make. So I thought I thought it was great to see him. He looked healthy, and I thought he looked good. Absolutely. And what you said, you know, like he got guys shots. And I think the more we realize that Killen Hayes is a facilitator, that we don't expect him to score 20, then we're going to really realize and hammer on who are we drafting right now because – we talked about Jeremy Grant struggling at times, and we need a score badly. To, to me, but like a complete scorer. Ideally, at a shooting guard position, if you ask me. A combo where even Killian last night, he was saying he played off the ball a little bit. You know, Coach Casey moved him off the ball a little bit so he can play the two. So uh, now I'm going again. Cade Cunningham. <laughs> like, it's I'm, I'm going back the same guy because he can cover multiple positions. He can do a lot of things, and it seems that him and Killian Hayes can really play well together. Uh, you know, last night he had, what, three assists, five rebounds. 
you know, one turnover. Okay, he was all for three in 20 minutes, but I don't expect him to score a ton, you know, just because v- I don't Vlad, see him being ready to score a ton. Do, do you, I, here's my personal opinion, and still, it's only eight games. I'm excited about killing Hayes, so don't take this the wrong way, but I never see him as a guy that's going to get you eight. I mean, on a given night, he might get you 20, but to me, he's going to be in that mold of 12 to 15 points. But he's going to go get you 10 assists and 5 rebounds. It, I mean, to me, that's what I see now whenever I watch him play. I don't see a big-time scorer. I see, a, like you've said from the beginning, a guy that facilitates the offense and gets other guys' shots. Yeah, I'm really thinking that Killian Hayes is a better version of Ricky Rubio at some point. I hope with a better shot, but I think he's more of a point guard. That's a good comparison. A true, that's a great comparison. In a true sense of, of a point guard position, not uh, – you know, this new era of point guards, not the Steph Curry's of the world or John Morant's. I think he's more of a old school point guard. They can get guys involved. You know, he can kind of control the pace. He's pretty athletic. I think we're going to st- see more steals and blocks. But Bryce, he's had eight games so far and he scored double digits only one time. And that was his best game of the year against Atlanta, you know, uh, where he had 10 points, uh, eight assists. So that was really the only game that he really shined like that. Um, and he's about the, his only game that he was a, a, a plus, you know, overall. Uh, but to me, we really need to be careful who we draft right now and what are we doing with this log jam of, of shooting guards slash point guards slash maybe small forwards because, you know, <laughs> okay, let's talk about this, Bryce. So we have Grant and Bay, JJ and Diallo. DSJ and Lee, Hayes and a draft pick. And I'm not even counting Frank Jackson right here. I'm not counting Corey Joseph right here. Or, like, or Rodney Magruder. Rodney or Magruder, Wayne right? Ellington. So, how many guards do we have here? Like, okay, like I, we have eight or nine guys for two spots on that floor. And what are, like, what's the plan going forward? Like, what, what do you see? Because to me, like I said, this team is a shooting guard because that's what we'll draft. Honestly, I'll go draft a shooting guard. Whether it's green, ideally it's Kate Cunningham. <laughs> it's very tough, very tough to, to pass on Suggs if you ask me because of the way he played this tournament, this NCAA tournament, and the shot he had last night. All about it, you know? <laughs> yeah, but again, even Mobley good. too. So you have Mobley. Do you pass on Mobley to get a shooting guard slash point guard? Because he's a game changer defensively and offensively. So we're in a very t- tough spot, I feel like it, because... Some of these positions we got covered, you know, right? You get sucks at the point. Well, uh, sucks and Hayes. Okay, Kate and Hayes could work. But then what do you do with the backup, Bryce? Like, what are your thoughts with JJ and Diallo, so, so DSJ and Lee? Like, Yeah, so I, I, let, let's just stay at the point guard spot for now. So let's go DSJ and Lee, right? Because that's – I don't think there's a spot for both of them on the roster next year. And so we've had this conversation a little bit. And I'll be honest, like I'm not supposed to do this. I think as someone that talks on this podcast, I'm supposed to like have, you know, like I really think this guy or that guy, but I go back and forth every game vlog. Like I'll watch a couple games and be like, man, we need to keep Saban Lee. We'll let DSJ walk, you know, no big deal. And then the last couple games, Saban Lee's kind of tempered off a little bit. So I'm like, nah, DSJ. So if you made me make a decision right now, I think I would still go Saban Lee. And honestly, it has more to do with money than anything else. So 
I think at the second unit point guard next year. And here's the other thing, Vlad. Let's say we draft Cade Cunningham or Jalen Suggs. You know what I think we're going to see a lot of? Let's say it's Suggs. Is Suggs start at the two, but then we will, t- you know, uh, stagger his minutes with uh, Killian Hayes, and he- Suggs would actually run a lot of the second unit point guard minutes. So I don't know that we need a guy that, that's. We need somebody, but I think Saban Lee could get, you know, just 10, 12 minutes a game whenever one of those two guys both needed a break. Absolutely, but at the point guard position, I'll be very honest. I think we need a vet. I would see as as a straight up backup a vet, a veteran point guard. Um, nothing wrong with Saban Lee, nothing wrong with DSJ. I, I do love their style of play. It's just long term, the more I see, you know, the, the impact Corey Joseph had when he played well for us. I think we need that because we're so young and that second unit needs to be like tamed a little bit, right? Like their, their style of play, their athleticism, like if they get a guard that goes in that style, which I thought that would fit great, like right DSJ, Lee, I was like, oh man, they're athletic. But again, they can make a lot of mistakes too by playing that fast. So would you not keep either of them then? I will keep Saban Lee as my third string point guard slash backup, depending okay. on minutes, games, health related issues. I will keep Saban. I would not keep DSJ, honestly. Of course, Frank Jackson not. Um, so th- that would be my opinion because that second unit can be very athletic, but they also need a, a really good point guard. So, like a more experienced point, point guard would be good for them, too. So, so Corey Joseph would be a nice guy, but Vlad, we can't keep Corey Joseph. Like I again, I said this in the very first couple minutes. I like Corey Joseph and what he's done, but we can't keep him on his current contract for next year. That's the problem with Corey Joseph. Exactly. It's the is, contract with Corey, and it was the contract uh, or the contract with Delon too. It's the same issue, yes, right? Exactly. Delon was great for this yes. too. And it's, I, it's I hard, but what do you do at a two guard? Because yeah, as so a that, point guard, I think it's 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 okay. We got it. But what do you think at a two? With J.J. and Diallo, I don't know, Vlad, because – so, again, let, let's play the game of we draft Jalen Suggs, Cade Cunningham, or, or Jalen Green, and they're, we're going to start them at the two. I don't think you can roll J.J. and Diallo together in the second unit. I, I don't. And so, if if, Ham, if Hamid Diallo is not starting at the two, then I think it – I think you trade Josh Jackson in the offseason, and it really, really pains me to say that, but I, I just – I don't think we want those guys in the second unit together because I don't know that Hom either of them shoot it well enough to space the floor. And so th- if we had to let one go, it would probably be Josh Jackson. And I've been Josh Jackson's biggest fan. He's a KU guy. The other thing that's going to play into this also, though, Vlad, is Diallo's going to get paid this summer. So what's his contract going to have to look like? It's that. It's a draft pick, too. Because we have to consider, like, what if we get even Mobley? Like, we can keep these two guys and put the all in the starting lineup and keep JJ. If if you get Mobley, yes. Okay, yes. But that plays into the next one, Vlad. If you draft Mobley, then what do you do with Grant and Bay? Well, what do you do with Grant and Bay? I think, right, right. So, let's, let's go into Jeremy Grant. What do you think? Is he a four or a three? Well, that's so. This is where this question came for me, for me, Vlad. Because if you draft Evan, Evan Mobley, and unless you're going to bench Plumley, but if you bench Plumley, look, people just said, okay, well, we'll start Mobley and Stewart at the four, Grant at the three. I was like, well, you can't start Bay at the two. So what do you do with those guys? 
I've all year said that Grant is a four. I'm starting to see the argument for him being a three a little bit. And I think this is where you said it is, like where he doesn't have to bang against these guys and be so physical and all of that. So I can see him at the three, but what the problem with him at the three is now you're going to put, you know, Sadiq Bey back on the bench. That's that's the biggest issue right now. I think we have uh, – they're both three men. They're both um, similar, I would say, in ways that Grant was like Sadiq was in the beginning, right, 3 and D. And right now Grant, Grant's game evolving. So I do wonder now that is Sadiq Bey a little bit ahead of the curve? Did they think that he wasn't going to be ready for until like year two or three? You know, just, just judging by Grant's contract – but I do think Sadiq Bey can play the two a little bit. I think he can juggle multiple positions where he gets minutes. But I'm not sure we're going to get the most out of him doing that. Now, Jeremy cannot play the four. Uh, he can play the four at the end of the game, maybe. I don't see him as a starting four. I don't see him playing 25 minutes at the four. Just because... He, I know you mentioned, okay, he has a good matchup marketing, right? right? In the same time, marketing just gives him other fits that he might not be used to. And we also need him to guard like our, you know, the other two or three. You know, he, we need him to guard different types. So I would keep him as a small forward because he's good at cutting. So once you get Killian Hayes involved in pick and roll, Grant's not going to have such a hard time, you know, just scoring because he might get more catch and shoot. He might get some more cuts off it, you know. And then you do draft a guy like Mobley or Cunningham. That gives you a different dimension, right? It, it's it's a natural different dimension where you have a four man four slash five like Mobley that can do a lot of things with the ball. I mean, we got a glimpse of it. Okay, we we talked about his defensive impact, but we got a glimpse of it like his offensive impact. This 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 games in the NCAA tournament. I was like, wait a minute, this kid like he might be able to handle like that. You know, he might be able to create, and it gave me a whole different impression of him. Honestly. After this NCAA tournament, Cade Cunningham, he can create, he can score. So I think Grant's going to be fine at the three and he's going to be perfect at the three for us. The only question that I'm starting to have right now is I was sold on him being number one option. I'm not sure that's the case anymore. Agree. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I 100% agree with that, Vlad. And I, I think you brought up a point a little bit earlier that Bay's progression. I just wonder if it's going to make Grant expendable earlier than what we thought. You know, you talked about the three-year contract. Yeah. I've been on the record of saying I wouldn't trade him. But I can start to see more and more the argument to maybe trade him at this next year's trade deadline or over the next summer or something like that. But to answer your question, no, I don't see Jeremy Grant as the number one option anymore. Um and, you know, you, I, I did a whole breakdown of his stats, the first 20 games, the last 23 games, and you've seen the efficiency drop down. I don't think it's just because of that. I do think that that shows that he wasn't able to sustain what he was doing early in the year. And with the whole offseason and a whole year of, of doing it, I think that it would continue to get better. But I think he would settle in as a really, really good number two option or just a phenomenal number three option. I don't know if we have, if we're going to end up having guys that can be number one and number two to make him the number three. But if we had a guy that was out getting 25 a night and Jeremy Grant settled in as the number two guy, I think that would be a really good role for him. Yeah, I totally agree with you at this point. And, you know, I've been an advocate for this, him being number one option, but I do see the downside of it too right now. 
because he's a two-way guy. You know, he's uh, lacking in rebounds right now, say, because of his focus on offense. So I kind of want him to get back to, like, the, the beginning of the year, Grant, uh, where he was doing a lot of things, and I think that's what we need. And then we kind of draft that score that we're talking about. And that's uh, – that, I'm sorry, Vlad, to interrupt, but that's the rebounds have gone down almost two rebounds a game from the first 20 games to the last 23 games. And he's almost averaging the same amount of rebounds in the last 23 games that he did in almost in seven less minutes last year with the Nuggets. So I do think that all of this – energy he's having to expend offensively to try to get to the bucket to try to score you know that it it is taking away from what he's best at which is being an all-around player yeah absolutely and i I agree with it right now like you know i I totally agree with you and um i was clearly wrong when i said okay he's number one option um and i think this makes this 2021 draft pick very important even more than Hayes Hayes draft pick because we know Hayes a facilitator we know what Grant can give us so I think we do have a blueprint of what this team needs to be successful we have a lot of good pieces on this roster right we talk JJ and Diallo right we talk Sadiq Bey Isaiah Stewart Mason Plumley, you know Jeremy Grant of course uh so we do need that superstar though I feel like that's what we're missing right now is is that guy and judging by the cap space we have Judging by everything around it, I think it needs to be drafted, and he needs to be drafted in this class. Like this is our chance at it. Because Vlad, we don't have a superstar on the roster. As good, like we just talked about what we think Hayes is, which is a better Ricky Rubio. As good as Stewart and Bay have have looked, I don't think either of us would consider them guys that are gonna be superstars. They're gonna be really good but not superstars, not number one options. And we just talked about Jeremy Grant not being a number one option. The only other guy you could consider is Hami Diallo if you think he's just going to explode. But again, I think he's in the same mold of going to be really good, but probably not a number one option. So you're right. Like Either you have to take all these dudes and package them for a superstar, or the best way to do it is just nail this, this 2021 draft pick. Yeah, and I have I have a lot of faith in Weaver, so I think we're gonna do it. We're gonna do it right, Brace. <laughs> but right now, let's talk a little bit about Casey's rotations because it's been very interesting to me. Like we have guys like Seku that don't play at all, and I'm not sure why. Like, I, like really, I'm starting to wonder why because I've said it from the get go. Okay, he's not ready, and I knew that um, just by watching him last year. I knew he would be ready this year. He was so far off. But at the same time, why are we not playing him right now? So why are we getting the guys like that? And then why do we play 12 guys in one half? Like, what are we looking for? What do you think Casey's looking for with his rotations, Bryce? Vlad, I, I don't know. And and to be honest, I feel bad for Dwayne Casey as, as a guy that subs. So as an assistant coach, I actually make all the substitutions for our high school team. And it's hard. Like, it's the least favorite part of the job is subbing because – you know, you're trying to get let guys get in a rhythm. You're dealing with foul trouble. You're trying to keep everybody happy, egos. You know, you have to consider things like doing right by Corey Joseph, who you just traded for. You know, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about that more in the around the NBA, like as an organization, keeping a good reputation as far as taking care of guys. But I, I think it's, it has to be impossible for some of these guys to get in any sort of rhythm. Don't you, as former players, like – I just, it would be tough not knowing or it changing all the time. Like, I would almost rather say, okay, this game, Dennis Smith Jr. is the backup point guard. Next game, it's going to be Saban Lee. 
And then that way they get a consistent 20, 25 minutes in the games they play as opposed to four minutes here, three minutes there. Now they're playing the two guard. Now they're playing with this guy, then this guy. I don't know. It's got to be hard for those guys. But it can't be easy for Dwayne Casey either. I would hate it. I would hate it, but I have no idea what we're looking for right now. Are we looking to give this guy the chance? Uh, Because then, yes, okay, we can do stuff like this. Or are we looking to... Okay, how can I put this? Uh, Give ourselves not the best chance to win all the games. (laughs) (laughs) Is that a good way to put it, Bryce? uh, Just keep saying tank, okay? I've never seen as many tank gifts on on Twitter as the Pistons. We all know what's going on here. Yeah, and exactly. So if we're trying tank, I think this is the perfect way to tank. Hey, we're giving guys a chance to play. Sorry. Hey. Okay, but then why not Sekou? Can't get, any, can't, can't get any of them in the rhythm, but hey, sorry. <laughs> but why not Sekou then? You bring up a good point. And, and that's, neither that's of us are issue. huge fans of Sekou, but I under, I can start to understand the Sekou fans' you know, issue here is why I, I like Tyler Cook a lot, and I did a full comparison between the two, and it. And, and I still like Tyler Cook after doing that. But, like, even Servetus gets the last three or four minutes every game. Why is Sekou not seeing – there has to be more there, doesn't there? No idea. And I want to remind our fans that I had Elliot DeWitt, who's part of Video Room uh, on the Pistons, come on, like, the first one of the first episodes. And he used to say that Sek- – or he said that Sekou, they see him as, like, a possible Siakam. So what happened? Like, did they see his future as a Pascal Siakam and you're not playing him at all? Like, okay, I understand. And even Elliot said it. Like, they're far or he's he's far away from it. But that's what his potential should be or is. But So, why are we not playing him at all? Like, why do we not let him go play for a G League team? Why do we – like, all these whys are coming to my head because I don't understand at this point in the season. And when you rotate 12 guys in one half – Really, that the youngest player in the league last year that was getting minutes now is not playing at all. So here's what I'll say as a coach, all right? And I'll put my coach hat on here and defend Dwayne Casey and even I'm sure Troy Weaver has some say in this. I know that in some situations you don't play a player because you think they're struggling so bad that it's going to hurt their confidence long term. So that's my only answer is like they see his quote-unquote lack of success – and maybe they think it's actually hindering his development by going out there and not producing and not performing maybe the pressure or whatever. Like I've had kids that I've coached that I didn't put in varsity games because I was like, man, I really feel like this is going to end up stunting their growth because they're not ready and it's going to hurt their confidence long term. Like that's just me trying to defend Dwayne Casey, I guess. No, that that's a great point though, Bryce. That that is a great point. You know, you put Seku game after game in, and he plays bad, and I do understand how that can affect his uh, his future. That he's he's not ready. So that that is a great point by far. And we are known as of right now for the past six seven months, an organization that does right by the players. And right now it's a good time to turn around the NBA, and we'll talk JJ Redick and the Pelicans. And because we are making right or doing right by all the players so far, right? Blake issue bought out. He's happy. He's with the Nets. Derrick Rose. Might be something against us now. I don't know why, but hey, <laughs> that's something that I'll, we'll get back to in the playoffs maybe. But yeah, yeah. Right. Derrick Rose, he wanted to go play for the Knicks. He wanted to go play for Tibbs. He got what he wanted, even though I, I thought personally that we were going to get a better off from the Clippers. 
which ended up getting a veteran point guard at some point here. Vlad, that's a great point, right? I just thought of that. They they obviously wanted a veteran point guard, right? So yeah. So you can't tell me they weren't sniffing around Derrick Rose whenever that was all going on. No, that's, they said they were, and I thought they were like a day away or two of making like a real offer, like a trade offer, and they just, you know, Weaver was like, okay, no, he wants to go there, so we'll get this done. And right now, the J.J. Redick and the Pelicans, he's been saying from since before the season, he wants to be close to home. His family is, is, is in the, I believe, New Jersey area, he said. Okay, I'm not saying let him go and go to the Nets. Maybe he can go to the Knicks. But he said Boston, Philadelphia, Washington – like he he want he just wanted to be close to home, and as an athlete, Bryce, that I'm far away from my kids and wife right now. I totally understand that. If I had that chance, and if I had to pull that JJ Redick had, I, I would probably do the same thing, right? Like you want to do that, you want to be close to home. So I think if that's what it what is all about, I thought the Pelicans just got that one wrong. And so here's a, here's just a little bit of background and perspective because I know a lot of fans are like, well, he signed the contract in New Orleans. So he signed the contract in New, or- New Orleans. His son is in kindergarten. And from my understanding of the story, his son's not able to come visit him or he's not able to go vi- whatever, because of COVID restrictions. COVID pro- yeah, COVID protocols that the NBA yeah, has. So, yes. so that's, that's what people need to, I, I think, understand with this situation is, you know, pre-COVID or post-COVID, maybe this isn't as big an issue, but because of COVID, like, you know, and I know it's impacted everybody's lives. I get that. But this has a lot to do with that. Now, on top of that, he also says he went to New Orleans to play with Drew Holiday. And then obviously Drew Holiday was subsequently traded um, to the Bucks, And he just got a big time contract, actually, Vlad, just before we started recording. So good for Drew Holiday. Um, <laughs> he got like four years, 160, I think it was. But um, the front office told him that they would try to make it work if he came down. And that's where I think this becomes an issue. Like he feels lied to not because they didn't do what he wanted, but because they said they would. And then he felt like they went back on their word. Well, to me, you know what the problem is right there? Trajan Langdon, ex-player, he played in Europe for many years. He's a GM right there. David Griffin, you know, he's the executive vice president of basketball operations. Was he's he Cleveland? He, he's had an extensive career. And you promise a guy that wanted to get traded before the season even started. He asked them. He's like, please trade me. And they say, no, come here for, for a, a month. month. Yep. And if you don't like it, and like we'll figure out a way to do it. And... I understand he's not James Harden. I really understand that. He doesn't have the same pull. Okay. He didn't do what James Harden did for the Rockets. He didn't do that for the Pelicans. Okay, we can put that in. All of this, I understand. Okay. And why should the Pelicans give him a free pass, right? They should get something in return for J.J. Redick. I understand all this. But at some point, it should be a little more than basketball. And it's not like he came in January and said, I want to get traded and I want to go to the Nets because I want to win a championship. He said this back in August and September that he wants to be closer to his family. So that's why I would give J.J. Redick a pass right now uh, because he said this from the get-go. He said it from before training camp happened. And you as a GM and you know executive operation guy, like you should make this happen, especially knowing that he doesn't really fit there anymore. 
it's not like they were using him a ton. He's having a terrible year, and I think that this this stuff off the court, not having his family, not being able to like all this stuff impacts his 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 performance. So you know why not use whatever le- like leverage you had before the season, and now you end up losing um, even like the image credit you have from that's, the fans or other players. Yes, that's, for what? That's what I was gonna say, Vlad. Can, can you imagine how much differently this story could have went? So the Pelicans are setting number twelve in the West, a game and a half out of tenth place behind the Warriors, who we'll get to in it. So they're gonna be getting a playing game at the most this year, right? They're, what does it matter if they get anything for J.J. Redick? What does it matter if they keep J.J. Redick? But you know what? If they would have traded him to Brooklyn or the Knicks or whatever for something small and people have been, man, they gave J.J. Redick away for nothing. And then J.J. Redick comes out and says, hey, David Griffin, Trajan Langdon did right by me. I wanted to get closer to my family. Think about the positive publicity that would have gave, given the Pelicans. Be- for what? I mean, it's J.J. Redick. He's at the end of his career. They didn't get a big return for him anyway. And on top of that, Bryce, is the Pelicans, they have Zion. So you might have a run as some free agents. Yes, exactly. Right? Yeah, I mean, like you're attractive. It's not like you don't have a future. Like, you're attractive for the future. Yes. So like your, your roster and is building around Zion, oh, like, you're going to be attractive like Zion, Brendan Ingram, you know, Steven Adams, Eric Bledsoe. Like, this team is like Josh Hart, right? Jackson Hayes. They have a future. So you could have turned this around a little bit instead of just kind of just Vlad, they, you know shooting shooting yourself in the foot. They got a 2021 second round pick, James Johnson and Wesley Awandu for JJ Redick and Nicolo Melli. So again, it's not like they just got this crazy return. So maybe the you know unless the Knicks, the 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 Nets, everybody just said no, we don't want nothing to do with him. But I'm like, you're telling me the Knicks wouldn't have, and maybe the money didn't work. I don't know. There, there are other factors, but I just think this could have been such a positive spin for that organization. And you're right. They are an attractive free agent because of Ingram and Zion and all those guys. But I wish I could remember. I cannot remember the, the player that came out against David Griffin and said that he was lied to. I believe it was when, when Griffin was in Cleveland. So now all of a sudden, a guy that's high up in your organization is getting this reputation of not being truthful, not being honest, you know, et cetera. And now it makes you less attractive for free agents. Absolutely. And I, I totally agree with you. You know, it's, it's, I thought it was a loss in the Pelicans. And this, again, made us look good the way they, we dealt with Derrick Rose. Absolutely. Uh, you know, and I don't know. It's g- going down the road. I think it's going to hurt the Pelicans a lot. And Bryce, now let's talk about the empty stats in the NBA. And I know you brought this topic. You want to talk about this. Uh, uh, and it's it's been on my mind for, you know, quite uh, quite some time. And my take on this, Bryce, it's, it, it's not empty stats. There's more possessions. There's So what used to be a triple-double, oh, my God, like a guard guard triple-double, that's great. Now guys are more athletic. The, the game goes, you know, the, the pace of it is, is a lot faster. And that's why the stats are a little bit inflated because of the style of play, honestly, and because of the athleticism. And, um, and maybe because the rules too, you know, what used to be, you know, now it's like a two-dribble pull-up, step back is like an assist. Which I'm never going to understand this. But, that's true. <laughs> um, so the rules clearly changed. And that's why they're a little bit watered down. There's too many guys, you know, like when you say Jordan averaged 30, he's like, nah, you know, so many guys can do it now. And it's like, yes, but 
the game was different then. Yes. So uh, here's my thing. I I understand when every point you brought up is good. Okay, the, the stats are inflated. I will agree to that. The stats are inflated. My issue is we've gone from st- we used to use stats to back up every argument, right? Now, now you can't use stats for any argument. It's the eye test. Stats are empty. They don't mean anything. And so, uh, a KU guy, whenever I was in high in high school, had a great quote. Quote. He said, "Stats are like a bathing shoot, suit. They show you a lot, but they don't show you everything." And I always just thought that was a funny, funny quote about stats. And I was like, "Yeah, that's true." But here's the thing: they still do show you a lot. Stats do show you. Like we said this. I said this about Andre Drummond. You can't tell me that all 18 points and 15 rebounds are meaningless. You can't tell me Russell Westbrook's 20 points, 15 rebounds, 15 assists are meaningless. I understand if you want to say like maybe it doesn't translate to winning all the time or whatever, but just don't don't tell me it's meaningless or I'm going to start telling you whenever so-and-so gets three blocks a game, well, you better count how many backside offensive rebounds he gives up whenever he misses those blocks. You know what I mean? Like, it's all, like we only do it with points and rebounds now all of a sudden. I'm like, people still have to score. People still have to grab those rebounds. Yeah, absolutely. I think the whole empty stats, you know, the, this narrative, a lot of guys hurt this whole or like they just amplify this empty stats narrative when Russ was chasing triple doubles and yes. then Steven Adams let just the ball fall in his hand. I think that's that's terrible and that's kind of just amplifies this other oh, empty stats. I understand it happened one game, but if he makes sports center over his twenty and fifteen game, then a lot of people are gonna remember that sports center moment where, you know, Steven Adams and the whole Oklahoma City team boxes out so Westbrook can come flying from the triple line to get his triple double. But isn't some of that, I'm not saying that specific play or scenarios in a game, but wasn't that a little bit of their strategy in Oklahoma City was everybody box out, Russ gets the rebound so then Russ can start the fast break? I mean, to me, there was some basketball strategy behind that as well. Okay. I'll be honest with you. I never saw it that way. I thought it was just like a, a... a way to just get, get him his the numbers. MVP and the stats, sure. yeah. And, and, but I and, don't understand about Drummond, what you said about Drummond, for example. And that's why I said it even in the beginning of the year. I'm a pretty big fan of Andre Drummond. I mean, he it's, it's they're not meaningless. Okay, he missed a lot of free throws, for example. So maybe his offensive rebound don't always translate to points. But again, like you said, 15 boards, 15 boards. Well, and, and that's the thing. You want to talk about assists, Vlad? Try being Killian Hayes being the point guard for the Pistons who... I'm sorry, doesn't have a whole lot of shooters around him compared to Draymond Green with the Warriors when they have Steph and Clay, or James Harden when you have Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and Joe Harris who makes every other three. Like, so I'm gonna start telling you that assists are empty stats for certain teams because exactly. You know, I mean, because yeah. guys are wide open for some teams or have better shooters or whatever. Or, you know what I love about this that the stats make Draymond Green a good passer. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, eh. like I cringe. I cringe, Bryce. You know why I cringe? Because if I run a stagger or a pin down, uh, in type of floppy action for Clay or Steph. You can make the pass. Like a handoff. <laughs> anybody can make that pass. Yeah. Anybody. Yep. You're not getting, it's not like a full core pressure. Like we watch, uh, right last night, I watched J- Baylor play basketball. Yeah. Man, you play them. I mean, they're up there all game long. You know, they turn you. It's not like that. You know, Draymond has like three feet of space he, because he, he can't, can't really shoot, shoot the ball. <laughs> <Yeah>. Exactly. <laughs> he can't really shoot the ball. So you give him three feet of space and you have four guys running around 
and two of them happen to be two of the greatest shooters ever, uh, yes, you're going to average five, six assists. Like, if you literally, if you make 15 passes to those guys, there's a good chance they're going to make seven shots out of it. That's seven assists. <laughs> like, right, Clay had a huge game in Oklahoma City. How many dribbles did he take? So all those were assists. And usually they come from Draymond. So I, I do get this whole thing, you know, that this assist, like, anybody can do that, anybody can do this. But overall, stats are not empty you know they're inflated but they're not empty you know because they do tell you like how hard does Westbrook play to get those stats yeah and that's and I guess that's all I want to say is let's put some context around all of them I just feel like at this point all of a sudden it's nope no stats matter doesn't matter you know whatever it's what my eyes show me well you know that's the that's the easy cop out you know to me no stats can still tell you stuff you know just like we broke it down there the assist numbers for this player may mean a whole lot more because he's creating off the ball screen action every single time to get his assists, you know, compared to what we what you just broke down for the listeners with Draymond Green. So I just, I understand there's context. I'm just tired of always being, oh, no, 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 it, it doesn't matter. Those, those are meaningless. No, every stat means a little bit of something. Yeah, absolutely. Since we mentioned Draymond and the Warriors, they are struggling, Bryce. <laughs> I can't and tell you how many texts I got last night about the Warriors. They're, they're, Bryce, I was watching the game and I was like... I did not watch the game. No, like I, I flipped it back and forth. Um, I think the Celtics were playing and I flipped a little, a little back and forth. And like I turned it back and it was like 55 to 107. And I was like, I swear to God, it's like, this is something wrong. This is not right. And to me, this is a whole another issue for the Warriors, Bryce. Because... I'm okay with tanking. I'm okay with losing because that's what you need to do. I understand that 10th place might not be what you want, so you might not chase that right now, right? You, sure. you don't want the playing game. Draymond said it. But like Steve Kerr said, this was humiliating. And you do not build a championship team like this. This is not a championship-type team right now. Just because you think you add Clay next year – and you have what Draymond Clay and Steph that like they have this championship pedigree. Well, if you have nine of the guys that got blown out by Toronto one year before by fifty, I'm sorry, that's not a championship. Well, and, and that's what we talked about, right? With the Pistons, that's why the Pistons' loss to the Knicks is so concerning. It's one thing when you're competitive and lose late; it's another when you start, you know. And it's not a cause for concern yet, but you start losing too many thirty point games, and that just can't be good for young players' psyche. Um, you're right; they're, they're struggling and. I go back – Draymond is another guy I go back and forth with. At times, I think he's an underrated player because I don't think we value defense enough, and I do think he's a good defender. I do think he's a good pick and short pop player. Um, he's, he's turned into a complete offensive liability in terms of scoring, though. But he said, I have no motivation to play for the 10th spot in the West. And I'm sorry, Vlad. I just hate that comment in general. Not only the message it sends to his team – but even the next generation of basketball Where's players. Where's the competitive spirit, yeah, that's, that's what I'm, saying. Like, yeah, I'm sorry. Like my ki- I play a pickup game yeah. in the summer. I'm trying to win. That's how I, I'm 34 years old. I have bum. I have a. I don't go play men's league, Vlad, because I get too competitive. Like it's that fire is still there, and I just can't let it come out because I, I'm gonna. I want to go win, and not only do I want to win, I want to be the best player in the gym. So even if it's just selfishly that Draymond wants to go, you know, be motivated, it. 
and it sends a message. I know my high school kids hear that message and I just, then they get it in their head. Well, Draymond's the ultimate competitor. He doesn't want to play for 10th. So this next year, if we're like fighting for the fifth seed in our sub state, are my guys going to like refer back to that comment? And I know, like, I think that legit happened. So I just hated in general the comment he made. It's bad. And you know why it's bad? And what's kind of pissing me off about the Warriors right now is because they did a lot of talking. <laughs> and now, right now, they're getting the payback. Clay and came at like Rodney Magruder. I mean. But no, like, overall, they did a lot of talking when they were winning, right? Yeah, sure. And Draymond was up front there. He was the first one. And now, what he's doing. He's kind of running away from it. He's running away from the embarrassment. He's running away from the humiliation. He's running away from all this by saying, well, it doesn't matter to me. I don't play for 10th place. I only play for first. Well, guess what? You are playing for 10th because that's where you guys belong right now. Whether you like it or not, you're that bad. Actually, I think you're worse than this. You're going to end up worse than this. They, they really might, but, Vlad. They'll, they'll, I mean, they were horrible last year, too. So there's no, like, you know... <laughs> Don't underestimate the heart of a champion, all this stuff. So I think that's what happened to Steph in that beginning of the season where it's like, okay, I can't let this happen. And now as soon as he dealt with some injuries, they're lost 11 out of 15 games. Okay, I understand they're going to bag it for the season, but do not come and tell me that stu- like stuff like the playing game doesn't matter. It's not like you're going to become uh, you know, the worst uh, record in the league and you're going to get a top three pick. So it actually matters a little bit. Like I'd rather be in tenth place and play in the playing game and be relevant, because you know my team was over the luxury tax for years. I have a new gym that you know I I'm trying to get fans into next yeah, year. Hopefully, right? right? Hopefully, yeah. they spent a lot of money you on know, that gym. Exactly. So I don't know. To me, it doesn't add up. And, and what, it, it just it's not okay. He's supposed to be a mentor for James Wiseman, who's kind of had a rocky year up and down. You know, it just. It, it, it really struck me the wrong way. I, before we move on, I just want to ask real quick about Steve Kerr because Steve Kerr gets a lot of love, and rightfully so. He, he you know He's won championships. He had a lot of talent. Every coach who's won championship had talent too, so I'm not trying to take it away from him. But like, does this make you wonder about Steve Kerr as a coach just because it's like, all right, now, now you don't have all these dogs – you know, they're 22nd in offensive rating. They're still ninth in defensive rating, Vlad. But my understanding is Ron Adams, the assistant coach, is the defensive coach there. So I'm not sure you can give Steve Kerr credit for that. So do we start to question Steve Kerr a little bit or do we give him a pass because of the injuries and uncertainties and everything? I think that started last year, Bryce. I think people start, you know, questioning Steve Kerr a little bit last year. Uh, I think he's a guy that, um, you know, gives his players a lot of freedom that uh, – he knows his stuff X's and O's, but he hasn't seen tough times as far as a, as a coaching goes. And I'm not sure he's dealing th- with this very well right now. And last year, okay, I understood. They were terrible, this and that. But right now, I expected more out of them. Or I expected more of a fight, to be honest with you. You know, and just uh, just one stat that's not empty. <laughs> Second and third quarter overall last night, they lost by 51 points. <laughs> t- How do you lose by 51 points in 24 minutes? It's 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 not it's it's just beyond my imagination. And you have in an NBA game, and you have Andrew Wiggins, Kelly Oubre, James Wiseman. Like I hate to say this, but and it was Toronto too. Like it wasn't really the 76ers. Yeah, or- we would take those three guys on the Pistons. You're telling me the Pistons wouldn't want those dudes right now? Um, so, 
And and you know what you know what the Warriors keep doing? They just keep saying next year. They'll say next year we have Clay back, we have our draft pick. They get the T Wolves pick. It's top three protected, so they may not get the T Wolves pick. But Mike, each time you say next year, you just wasted this year. I, I that's that's my feeling is Draymond's will say, well next year we'll get this, and it by the time next year comes, I don't know. It, it's it, it it is it's frustrating to watch. Absolutely, and I think the the Warriors are in big trouble. And I actually had in my notes that Draymond's time up here might he might be done. Absolutely, absolutely. That's just my take on it. Depends on who you draft right now. Depending how you want to build for the future, I think his time might be done because Clay's not going to come back the same player. Steph is slowly going to slow down. I think because he doesn't have the body that LeBron James have has. So I think because he's getting up in age, he's going to feel more and more his his first injuries, his past injuries. Uh, it's just the way father time works. And uh, like I said before, this is going to be James Wiseman team sooner or later. So him regressing right now, really, from the beginning of the season is not really something good for them, for that coaching staff, for that franchise. And, um, you know, for his future, I hope that they figure it out right now at the end of the year and Wiseman comes back playing well. Co- compared to like LaMelo Ball or any other rookie that's uh, was been up there, right? Anthony Edwards killing um, Tyrese Halliburton killing, um, you know, Lamella was unbelievable when he played. And, uh, okay, now Simon Lamella ball, it's a good transition to Hayward being out at least four weeks, Bryce. What impact does that have for the Hornets or also for the playoffs in the East? Because I think it impacts teams like New York, like you said earlier, and those standings. Yeah, I mean, this is tough. I'm a huge Gordon Hayward fan. I was actually at the Final Four whenever he missed the half-court shot um, against Duke that year in the national championship game. You know, backboard, rimmed out. Um, actually had a right-behind-him view. I was way up top. I wasn't real close. But, you know, you could tell that it had a chance. And it just that sug shot last night reminded me of that, that Gordon Hayward shot. So I've been a huge fan. And he's proved a lot of people wrong. Charlotte gave him a contract that a lot of people thought was stupid. And he's pretty much, he's kind of having a career year. Not career. He's having the same type of year he was having when he was in Utah. Um, before yeah, he went to I Boston. Mean, he's and the, the team's leading scorer, Bryce. He's yeah. the uh, second yeah, he's, leading scorer at 19.6 points per game. Yeah, so that that team is good and uh, kind of sneaky dangerous. I don't know they're going to make a lot of noise. But if they would have been completely healthy, I don't think that's a team that, you know, they could have snuck into the semifinals. And given, you know, whoever it would have been, one of those top three teams, uh, you know, a a, mat, uh, a series in the semifinals of the Eastern Conference, I don't know. They've sustained things pretty well, Vlad, with LaMelo out. I just don't see how they do it with Gordon Hayward out now. Also, when you have teams like Miami, you know, Atlanta has been better. We talked about the Knicks. I don't know what's going on in Boston. You know, they made some moves at the trade deadline. I think those are the only teams that really have a chance. I could see them... That's what stinks for them. They could fall fall all the way to the play-in games for sure. You know, all the way to seven, eight, possibly nine. I think they'll, they'll play in the playing game. I think that that's my take right now because I do see Hayward returning around the playoffs. You know, mid-May, he's at least four weeks. Given his past injuries, I think he's not going to force it. So I'll say six weeks. Right now, you're looking at mid-May. You're looking at the beginning of the playoffs, right? And uh, without your two best players, Lamelo Ball and Hayward. This team is not going to win a total ton of games. And they're lucky right now, fortunate. They do have this, uh, what is it, six-game six cushion, um, you know, to the 12-spot Wizards. <laughs> but 
they, they can fall a lot. Honestly, this is a team that's going to fall a lot. Um, and also, what people forget about Hayward and Lamelo is that they made Terry years like life a lot better. And when he came in, you know, last year, this wasn't the same Terry Rozier that we're seeing this year. He's a lot better this year because of LaMelo Ball and Hayward. You know, they gave him another dimension. So right now with those two guys, I don't think Terry Rozier is going to be as good. So you're losing also some of your actual players right now, active ones, healthy ones. They're not going to play as well because they're missing their two superstars. So... Overall, I think that that's going to hurt them, Bryce. That's really going to hurt them, and uh, they'll drop. Here's my question. Real, real quick, Vlad, just real quick. Would you bring Gordon Hayward back at all? And I think there's a chance LaMelo can make it back for the playoffs too if I'm not like, – They, I look they at said this, his borderline, yeah. Okay, I look at this roster, and I like this roster a lot, and Malik Monk and Devontae Graham are restricted free agents. So let's say you can bring those guys back. To me, I would really consider not bringing these two guys back and going all in for next year with pretty much the same roster. Every guy that they have two, four, they have seven guys average double figures, and they could theoretically bring every single one back next year. That would be a really fun roster. I don't know how well they could compete against some of these other teams, but like, I, I think I just wonder if you consider that with Lamelo being a rookie and Hayward's previous injury history. Just saying, hey, we're we're kind of shutting it down for this year because of. Because of these injuries. You know, the worst, maybe the best and the worst part about the NBA is that if you're not fighting for a championship, I'm not sure, you know, what hope you have. Uh, since you don't have a lot of fans in the stands, they can't really enjoy a playoff game. So what purpose does it really serve you to bring back LaMelo, who's the core of your franchise, or Hayward, who's on a big contract, and he's your second best player, in for a playing game, right? That's what I like. You're over there. How's it going to help you if you beat the Bulls and you know then you go on and play the 76ers or the Nets? Is that really going to help your franchise? You know, it's it's especially since you're, I don't think they're looking to add another big um, free agent. I don't think they're in the market to be like, okay, we're competitive, so let's see if we can try to show that we can play in the playoffs and then try to sign a free agent. They're not there. You know, that their roster is kind of made for next year, plus minus. Uh, you know. Uh, utility guys but your top three four players they're there you know so i do i don't see the purpose of it but i do see him coming back i think they're gonna push it just because uh that's the way that they've always been you know they, they've been okay with that six seed seven seed eight seed and uh it's it's unfortunate that the nba you know you gotta tear it down all the way and be really bad <laughs> yep. or you gotta be really good yeah because if you're in the middle you have nothing to win it yep. seems like it for sure you know we, we've talked about like the warriors being in the middle right now you know and uh maybe for some fans it means a lot like for me for example if i'm building the right way like i would love for the Pistons to make the playoffs next year absolutely yep it's because to me if you want to build culture you got to build like san antonio did like you got to keep winning Whereas a 20-year playoff streak, you got to keep on winning. And I think that's what – it starts from ground zero, which is now for us, you know. But uh, we'll, we'll see what the Charlotte Hornets do. Uh, Bryce, in the meantime, a few games for us next uh, next week. Oklahoma City, Denver, Sacramento, Portland, and the Clippers. Uh what are, your, what are your thoughts on these five yeah, games, Bryce? Right. What, what do you expect? Uh, is there any expectations for the starters? I'm interested to see, yeah. I'm interested to see what Hami Diallo. I, I'm I'm really interested. This him and Killian Hayes both Vlad. 
I think the you know Bay, Grant, and Plumlee are going to continue to start at those spots. I'm interested to see if Hayes gets back that starting point guard position, and if Hami Diallo ends up getting the starting two guard position. And I, you know, this week, and I know I'm stealing this from somebody I saw on Twitter. I don't remember exactly who. I really don't. But you know, Oklahoma City. You know, you get the return of Diallo to Oklahoma City, and you know, us playing against Fee. Denver, you get the return of Jeremy Grant to to Denver, and in Sacramento, you get the you know. So the two two of the trades we made this year, you know, we're playing those teams this week, you know. So that'd be Corey Joseph and Delon Wright. So it'll be kind of interesting to see you know how those teams those players play against former teams. But if I if I'm looking for one thing, it would be those those starting guards starting guard spots at the one and two. And then I am I'm interested to see whether Sekou gets some minutes this week. And we have Lucanard on Sunday too. Sorry, where is oh. uh, Lucanard is coming back yep. on uh, yep. Sunday with the Clippers, and uh, yeah, over, overall, I, I really want to see Dialog is the Thunder. You know, Jeremy against the Denver Nuggets, <laughs> of course. Corey Joseph against the Nuggets. All the stuff that you mentioned, but again, I do like that uh, a team like us has a reaction. So I, I my thing is Portland. Yeah, can we come back and guard? Do, okay, not beat them like we did the Wizards, because I'm not sure we're that good. And we're not, you know, we're, we're that, we're that fight that the play, the Blazers are in. You know, that that's the type of team that I told you that we kind of have to avoid. <laughs> well, we just it's hard for us to beat, right? Because you can't really avoid them. So, the, the, but that's the game that's kind of circled my calendar for next week. You know, Saturday, April 10th, 10 p.m. in Portland. That's the type of, like, let, let's see if we can have a reaction for it. You know, if, if our guys are, okay, let, let's get up this game and uh, see what we can do, you know. Overall, that's that's just my take for next week. You know, it's going to be five hard games for us. Um, hopefully, we come out of the list to win. Uh, I'm not sure one more than that, so and, and <laughs> that's I'll, all right. I'll, I'll be honest, Vlad, I, we, we haven't, our game against Denver earlier in the year, we didn't, you know, didn't get played. And so I'm, I'm, ex- you know, as a fan of the NBA, I'm excited to watch, you know, Nikola Jokic and what the Denver Nuggets have, huh? <laughs> Nikola Jokic and Plumlee yeah. go at it. Hey, hey you know what? That's I've been, gonna be an interesting one. I've too. been giving Plumlee a lot of love on Twitter, so I would just like a little, a little recognition it. for coming around on Plumlee. <laughs> yeah, I had it in my notes today. It was like for one of the game recaps. I didn't choose it as my big thing, but Plumlee, Corey Joseph, Frank Jackson. You know, as veteran dudes, Frank Jackson, not as much, I guess, but guys that are producing. And so I've come around a little bit on Plumlee. I still am out on the Plumlee ISOs and Plumlee leading the break. But the guy, (laughs) you were right. The guy produces. He does a lot of good things for us. And he's in a, he's, he has a good contract for what he, what he gets done. Absolutely. And overall for this episode, guys, if you want to take it, you know, there's a takeaway. It's we have a lot of good pieces and we have a lot of pieces. Yeah. Yeah. All together. Like, so it's just right now it's a puzzle that Coach Casey and Weaver can put together. And uh, I do think we're one, two pieces away from being a very good basketball club. And uh, hopefully we get that to the draft or just a big trade this summer or a free agent. I don't know, but I'm sure Weaver and Casey are going to figure it out. In Troy, we trust. Until th- Absolutely. Until then, uh, make sure you hit us up. You know, Motor City Hoops on Twitter, Motor City Hoops Show on Instagram. Motor City Hoops on Facebook. We would love to hear from you guys. Uh, you know, from now on, a few times a week, we're going to post uh, some snippets of, of last episode. You know, and we'd love to hear you, your reviews, uh, your questions, uh, anything that you have for us. We'd love to hear from you, and uh, we'll catch you guys next week. 
Thank you for listening to the Motor City Hoops podcast. Catch you on the next one.